the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Good to be back. Thank you, uh, Bill, of course, and uh, all the guest hosts who uh, came in for the week. I had not uh, taken a vacation. I'd been gone, I think, for some health things, but I had not taken a vacation in a while, so I took the week last week. It was a delight. And uh, I will tell you, <laughs> Dennis Prager was in Hungary, right? Hungary. And he said he had the eerie feeling when he came back to California that he left a more free place for a less free less free place. Um, going from California to Arizona, coming back, I have to tell you, that is not the case. It is the opposite. You are leaving a less free place for a more free place. Worse weather, perhaps. Um, maybe the scenery isn't exactly the same. But it is interesting when you do go out of state, especially a blue state, to see how they handle things. I want to talk more about that in a few moments, too, with some nonsense and ridiculousness. But in any event, thank you. Um, I don't think I had been even to an airport since, uh, well, all of last year. Anyway, good to be back. Bill, thank you. Did I miss anything important? Nothing in the world. Okay. When I did leave, Afghanistan was falling apart. I was having lunch. I wanted to think about that. I was having lunch with some people today, some uh, friends and some new acquaintances, and they were telling me about their views on Afghanistan, all mobs. And one of them said something very close to, if not exactly, um, isn't this a country, America, that it's okay to still have pride in? And I thought about that because these were women who think much like I do and have the same outlook, much like – same outlook as I do. And it just seems to me one thing after another has chiseled away at that as we look at what's going on in Afghanistan, as we come up to the 20th anniversary of 9-11. It's an awfully, awfully different place where we are today as opposed to let's say 2001 2001 after the attacks this country was damn united and the theme given us given to us by a hero from flight 93 was let's roll let's roll let's go let's go kick some butt it's a very different country now 20 years later isn't it we went from let's roll to let's roll up and find cover under our beds. I was thinking of that in Afghanistan in light of the famous Montesquieu quote, all accidents are controlled by certain causes. And if the chance of one battle that is a particular cause has brought a state to ruin. Some general cause made it necessary for that state to perish from a single battle. In a word, the main trend draws with it all particular accidents. In other words, if a nation loses itself 
or a war based on the loss of a single battle. The question becomes, what were the conditions of that country that could make it so vulnerable to such overwhelming loss just from one battle? And we're talking about Afghanistan right now as if it will portray a tremendously negative view of America by enemies as well as allies, as well as soldiers and retired soldiers and veterans of the wars in Afghanistan and the Middle East that see them end this way, that see them end this way. Afghanistan is the um, statue, is the totem for that failure right now. But what's the general cause? If that's true, what's the general cause of that? What's the cause of it is something we've been talking about for a long time here. And I'll give you another foreign quote. And this is from Jean-Francois Ravel in his book, How Democracies Perish. Clearly, a civilization that feels guilty for everything it is and does will lack the energy and conviction to defend itself. So today, for the first time in several years, the word red line is back in the news. Last time we heard red line was when, Bill? You know, Barack Obama threatened Syria with using chemical weapons would be crossing a red line and there would be hell to pay. Syria used the chemical weapons. The United States did nothing except farm out the problem to Russia. Today we have red line back in foreign policy speak because the Taliban has now given us a red line. The Taliban has now given to the United States the red line of total evacuation by August 31st and guaranteeing no safety to any American or ally any day thereafter. So America is being pushed around by the Taliban right now. Clearly, the Taliban is in control of Afghanistan. Clearly, the Taliban is in control of United States foreign policy so far as it, so far as it has to do with evacuating our soldiers, our civilians, and our allies. We are totally, t completely dependent on Afghanistan's Taliban right now. Now, one of the things about the Taliban, which Joe Biden keeps alighting in his speeches, is he says we should have left after we killed bin Laden. That was the purpose we were in Afghanistan. It was one of the purposes. If you look back at the debate surrounding the authorization for the use of military force in 2001 or any speech by George Bush about Afghanistan, after they refused to turn bin Laden over, the Taliban and al-Qaeda were effectively indistinguishable. Effectively indistinguishable. We were there to go after and end the Taliban as much as we were to go in there and end al-Qaeda. There was a $10 million State Department reward. $10 million State Department reward for information leading to the killing or capture of Muhammad Omar. Uh, Muhammad Omar. Mullah Omar, the head of the Taliban. He was not the head of al-Qaeda. He was the head of the Taliban. $10 million United States reward 
over his head. We were there for the Taliban. And now, now the Taliban is back, obviously, in total control, but more so now telling the United States what it can and cannot do. If you look at the weapons that the Taliban has taken from the United States Armory there and what we have left behind there, I can see why they think they may very well be in charge. If you listen to the fecklessness of the spokesman for this administration, I can see very well why they would think they're in charge. If you would look at the effectively uninterrupted vacation from Joe Biden, I can see why they think they're in charge. Hundreds of thousands of weapons, guns, tanks, machine guns, MRAPs, Black Hawk helicopters, all left for the Taliban to use or more likely more likely sell. More likely sell. But it was this belief that was around a little bit in 2001 that somehow the attacks on the United States on 9-11 were our fault. There was a little bit of that belief that we had caused it. What had we done to invite this? That belief, while small then, is much larger now. The Blame America First crowd has grown larger now. That the problems in other countries exist as the fault of the United States is a much more dominant thought now. The idea that we are the guilty party in foreign affairs is as prominent now as perhaps at any time in United States history. The blame America first crowd, the blame America first sentiment, the fact that we are a sick and unhealthy troglodytic society is the general cause for what has led to the lack of pride, the lack of spine, and the lack of the ability to tell the Taliban they don't give us red lines, we give them red lines. But we haven't, and we won't. And you know why? Because there is a sneaking suspicion within the progressive movement that the United States is the guilty party here. I want to say more about that when we come back. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. After we left Vietnam, after we fled Saigon in 1975, Norman Podhoritz wrote a book, Why We Were in Vietnam, in which he says, quote, in abandoning the Vietnamese at the end, the United States demonstrated that saving South Vietnam from communism was not only beyond its reasonable military, political, and intellectual capabilities, but that it was ultimately beyond its moral capabilities as well. In abandoning the people at the end, the United States demonstrated that saving South Vietnam from communism was not only beyond its reasonable military, political, and intellectual capabilities, but it was ultimately beyond its moral capabilities as well. 
Does this administration, does Joe Biden understand that this is the condition he has created, the questioning not only of whether we can reasonably defeat militarily the Taliban? Answer, no. That we are able to politically and intellectually defeat them? Answer, no. What about whether it's beyond our moral capability to defeat them? Answer, no. That's what Joe Biden just showed the world. So when I ask a mother of a soldier who fought in Afghanistan, who was in country, as I did today, does your son think it was in vain? It was all in vain. You know what she said? I think so. I think so. Joe Biden went to Germany in February and said America is back. The sad truth is the Taliban is back. The Taliban is back. Now, Michael Moore made a movie called Fahrenheit 911 where he tried to hang the support of the Taliban around Bush's neck. And I'll never forget a clip in that movie, which, by the way, the debut of which Nancy Pelosi showed up to, went to, big gala, big glittery gala. She went to it, as did the entire Democratic Party leadership. When Michael Moore made that movie, he had a scene in there where three or four members of the Taliban, a delegation from the Taliban in 1997, went to Texas to work on a pipeline deal for Afghanistan. The implication being George Bush met with those Taliban leaders. Well, one had to do a little research to find out George Bush, as governor of Texas, never met with those leaders. But then the curious thing did occur to me. It was 1997. Bill Clinton was president. Madeleine Albright was the head of the State Department. Foreign officials, dignitaries, visitors come into the United States because the State Department allows them to, not because the state of Texas allows them to. This was at the very same time Madeleine Albright was going around giving speeches on the dangers of the Taliban. When I think about whether this was a war in vain or not. I think about this quote. That for 20 years, for 20 years, Afghanistanis knew certain degrees of freedom that they never knew. Whether it was the freedom to merely listen to music. Do you know the Taliban band, All Music, except... Islamic ritual music, whether it was the ability to go out and vote. Do you know they actually banned kites? People could fly. We don't think about these things, and of course it's not the greatest emblematic sign of freedom to be able to fly a kite. But what does it say to you about an institutional government authority that bans flying a kite. The danger to America 
is not Joe Biden, but a citizenry capable of entrusting a man like him with the presidency. It will be far easier to limit and undo the follies of a Biden presidency than to restore the necessary common sense and good judgment to a depraved electorate willing to have such a man for their president. The problem is much deeper and far more serious than Mr. Biden, who's a mere symptom of what ails America. Blaming the prince of the fools should not blind anyone to the vast confederacy of fools that made him their prince. The Republicans survive a Biden, who is, after all, merely a fool. It is less likely to survive a multitude of fools, such as those who made him their president. That's not original to me. It's from an anonymous source. But I was thinking about that in the context of how healthy this country is going to be on the foreign stage. After Saigon and before Ronald Reagan, 10 countries fell into the Soviet sphere. It wasn't until the Gulf War of George H.W. Bush that we got over the Vietnam syndrome, only to sink back into it again. We were told this would not be Saigon or anything like Saigon. Here's a CBS story I don't know if you saw. Human remains were found in the wheel well of a U.S. military aircraft that departed Kabul as hundreds of Afghans scrambled toward the plane seeking a way out. It was the same plane featured in viral videos of Afghans clamoring to get on board. The viral video of Afghans running alongside the plane and, we'll, and then what looks like bodies dropping from the plane as it takes off is one fuel of criticism for this week's chaotic evacuation. You bet it is. You understand why there would be human remains on the wheel of an airplane? It's interesting to me that there are Afghanis, Afghans who would risk their lives not even by getting in a boat, but by hanging on to a wing of a military aircraft. They would hang on to a wing of a military aircraft to get to this country. They would do that. There's a force that wants to burn out the eyes of women that are literate that nails enemies to walls without wooden crosses, obviously. There is that element in this world. And then there is a country in this world that claims it opposes that, claims to oppose it. Do you know how many Taliban members wandered in and out of the University of Nebraska in the 1990s? The University of Nebraska has an Afghan studies program that was catering to the Taliban. Right here in America. Right here in America. The head of the Muslim Brotherhood moved back to Egypt after visiting America and founding the Brotherhood based on what he saw here. The Taliban was comfortably here in America. Heck, even, even al-Zawahiri traveled to the United States. They left, never to come back. They left, never to come back. 
The question is, we who are here and stay, do we still believe in this place? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 334 brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates, of which he is the president and founder. He also has his own radio show here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth, his website, grandcanyonplanning.com, grandcanyonplanning.com. Happy Monday to you, John. Happy Monday to you, Seth. Thank you. you Thank you very much. Good to be back in touch. I was off uh, much of the weekend. Uh, glad to be back. Good. There's uh, a lot facing us. Yes. <laughs> Who said 2021? <laughs> Who said this year would be easier? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot facing us. I'm See not what talking... happens when you go on vacation. I know. You can't I leave I know. Again. I'm yeah. not even talking about Afghanistan or COVID. Oh, gosh. I know, I'm right? talking about two big spending bills. Yeah. 3.5 and 1.2, yeah. So yeah. yeah, pretty soon you're talking a lot of money, aren't you? Could 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 be a lot of money, yeah. What's Wall Street thinking about these things? Well, there's a couple of things to look at. Number one is is that if these if these spending bills are passed, which it looks like they could they could happen. Yeah. Um, the thought is is that certain companies are going to benefit from this, and there'll be certain companies that won't. It's to me, it seems like Seth. Oftentimes, when any of these major pieces of legislation and these spending bills do go through. There are benefactors of it, not only politicians that benefit from this, as we know, and uh, a lot of the people who donate to their campaigns, uh, but there are companies also that will benefit from some of these, especially if, indeed, there is some infrastructure dollars uh, that are paid out uh, for infrastructure. Uh, so we just have to be aware of that. And, it's, you know, I go back to the same mantra that I always talk about is that at any given time in the market, there are certain sectors of the market that have momentum or that will have some opportunity for growth and others that may not. And that's why it's important to understand where you're invested and how you're invested uh, so that you could take advantage of times that, you know, in situations like this, really. You know, the um, the experience of living in Washington, D.C. is an interesting one. They used to call K Street Gucci Gulch because of all the well-paid lobbyists mm -hmm. uh, that uh, had their offices on K Street. It's now not. They can't do it anymore because it's not just K Street. It's H Street. It's also I Street. It's Pennsylvania Avenue, John. The idea that there will be industries that will be the beneficiaries of this is uh, absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. And that's why I was kind of hoping we might be able to have some sunlight that would scale some of this spending down through mere practice of shaming these industries. <laughs> uh, but, I, I, you know, we, we haven't ever been able to do that. It seems like that's part of the blob of Washington, D.C. You seem to not be able to ever retrench these things. And it really we always think we have we believe in many, many ways in that initially there are good intentions, uh, but then we always seem to come to find out that the waste uh, that occurs in, in these spending bills just is it's it's incomprehensible because none of us could run our lives and our budgets the way Washington does with their budget, and unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like uh, many people have a voice. Uh, in this, you know, and uh, we, that's why it's so important, Seth, for, for people to get out and, and really uh, understand what's happening and, and vote. 
uh, in the upcoming uh, midterm elections. I know they're <laughs> we're a little bit no, away from that. But everyone's we have with to be bated ready. breath on it, though, John. And yeah. there are a few things on the way that we can do to fix things. The mayor of New York, the governor of right. California, right? Right. right. You got uh, the recall there. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Does the spending does the spending by the federal government worry you vis-a-vis inflation? Well, it always always does. Um, but again, as with the Fed keeping interest rates where they're at, I you know they're talking about maybe cutting back on some of the uh, the spending that the Fed is doing to buy back the uh, bonds. If that's true, that'll certainly slow down a little bit of the money flow that's happening right now, which in turn could you know raise rates, which could also uh, give a little more inflation to the uh, economy. And if if so, that's going to be a real challenge for the Fed moving forward because they don't want this to be a runaway inflationary scenario. Uh, I just don't know yet, Seth, if that's really the way it's going to go because we still have a lot of pent-up demand for the uh, economy right now with uh, the initial uh, you know, phase of COVID and now the second strain here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of reopening that needs to happen and getting people back to work. So there's a possibility that we could get through this without hyperinflation. And I, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards that Good. right now, but things can change. Good. I like the optimism. Thank yeah. you, John. Well, you know me, right? Always yes, sir. yes, sir. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Schedule an appointment. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Welcome back. 602-508-0960. Tina's in Star Valley. Hi, Tina. Hello, and welcome back. Thank from you. The People's Republic. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, really. Where Where were you in California? I went to Santa Barbara. Oh, that's very nice. We yeah. had a good friend there. Yeah, we had a great yeah. time. Good. Well, yes. So I'm looking at how many billions of weapons that were paid for by us taxpayers that were relinquished to the enemy. And um, I, some people like me had to take an extension. To, I've got to file my taxes before October 15th. Man, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's going to be hard this year because I'm thinking, this is what I'm paying for? <laughs> really? We have provided something like $100 billion worth of aid right. and equipment to Afghanistan. Um, the right. level right. of material that was left behind for them to now sell or use, probably mostly sell, it's hard to account for how much, how, you know, how much all that will be worth. Black Hawk helicopter yes. 25 million bucks yeah. give or take um what's your answer as to whether this was all in vain you mean the 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 afghanistan yeah. war or the, yeah the I'm war sorry, in the afghanistan, afghanistan yeah the effort in afghanistan the, the, the police the police the police action yeah we know yeah declared war everything after december <laughs> let's say of, of 20 <laughs> of uh of of 2001 um, well, you know, I I do believe that that Trump uh, was. I mean, they're blaming Trump, of course, yada yada, for you know for everything. But he had a plan to withdraw. 
I, I've always been, you know, sort of the George Washington, a friend to all and, uh, you know, and, and, and not meddling in foreign affairs. Um, you know, and so I, I do believe that we needed to withdraw. And as someone, uh, one of the writers that I read on Facebook pointed out, uh, you know, these are people who, who want Sharia. The, the number of people, the percentage of people in Afghanistan who want Sharia law is, I think, somewhere over 85, maybe over 90 percent. Well, their constitution so, declares it, yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I think that we're, we're silly to believe that we could somehow uh, transform them into Bill of Rights culture people. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just not, it's not the same. And um, I, I really think we, we should have uh, made plans to get out, but not, I mean, the idea that we've left people behind who, are, are, who will be or are being murdered, that we've left behind billions of dollars of, of our arms, as you say, to, to be sold or to be used. This to, what's the definition of, being, of treachery, of traitor, of being a traitor? Who's going to hang? Who's going to the firing squad? Nobody. And what we were saying before about the, the, the populace, yeah, Joe Biden, look, Joe Biden's got dementia. There's no question about it. He's not making decisions. He's, he's, a, he's like, the, you know, he's like weekend at Bernie's. They prop him up. Um, but he, it's, it's, somebody else is pulling the strings. And, you know, we, I think we've talked a little bit before about who might that be. Um, it is not a friend to uh, the middle class or the Bill of Rights or the populace. But then the populace is asleep. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard to get people um, excited over the long haul, uh, excited over the long haul about foreign policy. It's it's just very hard. It'd be, and, and, and in some cases, rightfully so. In most cases, rightfully so. It doesn't affect – a lot of Americans. I mean, it affects America, and it affects mm-hmm. what happens in the world, and the allies certainly, and the immiserated certainly. But you know, whether we fund, uh, whether we fund uh, the, um, the, the 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 rebels or the government in Yemen, doesn't affect you and me very much. Not very much. That, at, at least not on the surface. Not you at know, least I, on the immediate I, surface, I, right? Right. Right. I mean, I see. I see. You know, the connections under the surface, but. You but know, then again, then heart. again, nine eleven. <laughs> then again, nine eleven. Right. Which there is why go. we were going after the Taliban, and I remember very well the feeling of victory and elation when we threw the Taliban out of Kabul. I remember yes. very well when Hamid Karzai came to the United States and spoke to a joint session, and the pride we all felt mm-hmm. with that. Right. But today, the Taliban is back. They are yeah. in power, and, and they are telling us what to do. And meaner than ever, because they are, you know, I, I think that they're, they're worse than ever, because they, it's never going to be static. They're not going to be just the same. Well, they have more they're weapons. Like, okay. They have more and better they, yeah, weapons. Sure. Yep, yep, thanks, thanks to Joe Biden. And, and they have the bragging rights of throwing yep. the Americans out of Afghanistan, defeating yeah. them in Before, Kabul. How is it not a defeat and, in Kabul? And you know who's going to be in there? And they, they're already there, I'm sure, is the Chinese. 
the Chinese are coming in and they're going to give them money and schmooze with them, and then they're going to lower the boom and they're going to be in charge of all of those rare metals, which are, you know, from Afghanistan. It's, it's rich in those things, even though they're, uh, you know, and oh, they want electric cars? Lithium. I don't think so. Uh, Afghanistan, you know, has a lot of lithium that's not going to be available for, uh, it's not going to be by our friends. Um, yeah, I, it affects us, but we just don't get it yet. But one of these days when it's, you know, the universe supports you with a feather or a Mack truck, when the Mack truck hits, it's going to be really ugly for a lot of people. Well, it certainly is, and it's certainly going to be very ugly if it becomes a staging area for terrorism again. It's certainly yep. going to be very ugly for everyone who tried to ally or affiliate with us. It's certainly going to be very ugly for women. Um, yes. And all these NGOs and all this nonprofit and great work that was done in the schools in Afghanistan, all, all of that is closed in the blink of an eye. All of that. Yep. Now, the only reason I... I catch myself when I say this was in vain is that for 20 years, a good degree of that population was made safe by a good degree of Americans. Yes. And they yeah. did at times have celebrations of their freedom. Yeah. There were yeah. for, I think the most important point about all this, when we talk to the left or when we talk to the progressives, or when we talk to those who always try to blame America first. It's a subtle point, but I think it's an important one. For all your complaining about women's rights and discrimination in America, the only time that there were human rights and policies of non-discrimination in a country like Afghanistan, the only time, was when the United States was there. Yeah. And the moment the United a, States left is the moment tyranny yeah. returned. And that's worth it, thinking about. It is. And a quick postscript, our allies, I just saw the speech by the British uh, MP who, yeah. uh, where they, they, they condemned America. Yeah. Our allies, for Pete's sake. Yeah, I yeah. want to say something about that when we come back to Tina. I will. I'll be right back. There's been an interesting, uh, an interesting turn on Joe Biden from some of the media that uh, finally discovered that Democrats need to be fact-checked, too. So when Joe Biden finally did give a speech last week and was asked by a reporter about offending our allies, he said quite the opposite. I've heard nothing but approval from our allies. ABC News reported on that, that the European Parliament Committee on Foreign Affairs held an emergency session, an emergency session on Afghanistan and declared it a catastrophe. Armin Laschet, the top candidate to succeed, outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel said, quote, this is the greatest debacle that NATO has seen since its foundation, and it is an epical change that we are facing. Former British Prime Minister 
Theresa May. What does it say about NATO if we are entirely dependent on a unilateral decision taken by the United States? When he says he consulted with NATO, that's a lie. Tobias Elward, chair of the UK Parliament's Defense Committee. Whatever happened to America is back. Joe Biden's famous statement in Germany. Today, he continues through his press spokesman, Jen Psaki, to say that Americans are not having trouble getting out of Afghanistan. She lied. She lied when she said Americans are being allowed fully to leave Afghanistan. It's not true. It's not true. And if you can't get to the airport, that's an even bigger problem because the Taliban blocking entry to the airports. Until we left and these scenes of Saigon 2.0 came back, I was worried about what we would think 20 years on September 11th. Because I'm not sure even right now we grasp the enormity of the evil the Taliban stands for. We're mad at them right now for showing us up. We're mad at Joe Biden for letting them show us up. We're mad at Mark Milley. That's right. All of them have to answer for this. Someone should be forced to resign, if not someones, over this. But In this temporary defeat, let's not lose sight of the long-lasting consequences or lose sight of why we went to Afghanistan in the first place. Do you remember 200 people jumping from the 106th and 107th floor of the World Trade Center? 200 people for a 10-second flight to their death because it was a better option than this fire that had surrounded them at the World Trade Center. 150 miles per hour human beings were dropping. Remember that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.